And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is November 27th. The, let me see. I just had a system crash, so everything is still coming back up. It is the 331st day of the year. 34 days remain to the year's over with. Well, in A.D. 25, Luoyang is declared capital of the Eastern Han Dynasty by Emperor Guangwu of Han. 176 A.D., Emperor Marcus Aurelius grants his son Commodus the rank of Imperator, makes him supreme commander of the Roman regions. 395, Rufinus, Praetorian prefect of the East, is murdered by Gothic mercenaries under Gainus. 511, King Clovis I dies in Lutetia and is buried in the Abbey of St. Genevieve. 602, Byzantine Emperor Maurice is forced to watch as the usurper Phocas executes his five sons before Maurice is beheaded himself. 1095, Pope Urban II declares the first crusade at the Council of Clermont. Excuse me, Claremont. Now, notice, if you will, Urban II wasn't going to lead him. Oh, no. Wanted everybody else to go. 1542, the palace plot of Renier. A group of Ming Dynasty palace women failed to murder the Jingjing uh, Emperor and are executed by slow slicing, which is taking a very sharp knife and cutting off parts of the body, one after the other. It was outlawed uh, about 1900. But in 1542, it was used for serious crimes such as treason. 1727, the foundation stone to the Jerusalem Church in Berlin is laid. In 1809, the Bernie Street hoax is perpetuated by, uh, or perpetrated rather, by Theodore Hook in the city of Westminster, London. Now, Hook had made a bet with his friend, Samuel Beasley, that he could transform any house in London into the most talked-about address inside a week. He achieved this by sending out thousands of letters in the name of Miss Tottenham, who is the one that lived at 54 Burnish Street, requesting deliveries and visitors and assistance of all types. It was November 27th. At 5 o'clock in the morning, a chimney sweep arrived to sweep the chimneys of Miss Tottenham's house. The maid who answered the door told him no sweep had been requested and his services weren't required. A few minutes later, another sweep presented himself, then another, and then another. Eventually, 12 chimney sweeps showed up. After the last of the sweeps had been sent away, a fleet of carts carrying large deliveries of coal began to arrive, followed by a series of cake makers delivering wedding cakes and doctors and lawyers and vicars and priests, all summoned to minister to somebody in the house had been told was dying. In fishmongers, shoemakers, and over a dozen pianos were among the next to appear, and then came six stout men carrying an organ. Dignitaries including the Governor of the Bank of England, the Duke of York, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the Lord Mayor of London also arrived at this home. 
Streets became congested with tradesmen and onlookers, and deliveries and visits continued until the early evening, which literally brought a large part of London to a standstill. Uh, according to reports from that time period, every officer that could be mustered was enlisted to disperse the people and you know, place at the corners of Burner Street to prevent tradespeople from advancing towards the house with more goods that weren't ordered. Streets weren't cleared at that uh, late hour. Servants of every denomination the morning uh, places began to assemble at 5 o'clock. turned out the letters had been written to the different tradespeople, which stated recommendations from people of quality. The warrant was offered for the apprehension of the author of this, what was considered a criminal hoax. Hook stationed himself in the house across the street from 54 Burner Street. He and his friends spent the day watching the chaos. Well, despite a, a fervent hue and cry to find the perpetrator, Hook had managed to evade detection, although many of those who knew him suspected he was responsible. As reported, he felt it prudent to be laid up for a week or two with illness before embarking on a tour of the country. Supposedly, that was his convalescence. Well, after all is said and done, he won his one guinea bet with his friend, which in 2021 terms was 87 pounds. The site of 54 Burner Streets now occupied by the Sanderson Hotel. Something like that today would literally cause utter chaos. 1815, the adoption of the Constitution of the Kingdom of Poland took place on this date. Then in 1830, St. Catherine Labour uh, experienced a uh, what's called a Marian event. She was a member of the Daughters of Charity of St. Vincent de Paul, believed to have relayed a request from the Blessed Virgin Mary to create the famous miraculous medal of Our Lady of Graces worn by millions of people around the world. She spent 40 years caring for the aged and infirm. She's called the, the patroness of seniors. She herself died at the age of 70. Um, she was born May 2nd, 1806, in the Burgundy region of France. Ninth of 11 living children. Baptismal name was Zoe, but her family rarely used the name. Her mother died October 9th, 1815, when she was nine years old. Said it after her mother's funeral, she picked up a statue of the Virgin Mary and kissed it and said, Now you'll be my mother. Her father's sister offered to care for her and her sister Marie Antoinette, and the sisters moved to their aunt's house at St. Ramia Village, about uh, 5.6 miles from their home. And it was there she had a dream about a priest whom she later recognized as Vincent de Paul. The priest said to her, My daughter, it's good to care for the sick. For now you flee from me, but one day you'll be glad to approach me. God's got plans for you. Age of 12, she returned to her father's farm to help care for her family. Her father, wishing to deter her from her religious vocation, sent her to Paris to work at his brother's eating establishment for poor workers. And there she observed their suffering, and her decision to enter the nursing order of St. Vincent de Paul was reinforced. Well... She began her noviate uh, April 12, 1830, at the convent on the Rue du Bac in Paris. On January 30, 1831, she took her vows. And it was at this convent that she had the vision um, of the Virgin Mary that led to the creation of the Miraculous Medal, as it's called. 
1835, James Pratt and John Smith were hung in London. They were the last two to be executed for sodomy in England. 1839, in Boston, Massachusetts, the American Statistical Association is founded. 1856, the coup of 1856 leads to Luxembourg's unilateral adoption of a new reactionary constitution. Now, the coup of 1856, also called the Push of 1856, was a reactionary revision of Luxembourg's constitution. Now, while it wasn't a true coup d'etat revolution, it was uh, the detractors dubbed it a royal coup as the reigning Grand Duke of Luxembourg, William III, greatly expanded his powers, and the name is stuck. Aimed at reversing the liberal successions embodied by the 1848 Constitution, the major changes enacted by William undone by the promulgation of a new Constitution in 1868, which after the Luxembourg Crisis. However, some changes have lasted, such as the creation of the Council of State. 1868, American Civil War. Confederate cavalry leader John Hunt Morgan and several of his men escaped the Ohio Penitentiary and returned safely to the south. He led a raid over a thousand miles into the north, the furthest con uh, uniform Confederates ever got. But uh, thanks to, uh, they had to cross a river, and thanks to gunboats, they couldn't, so they got captured, sent to prison. He and a number of his men escaped, went back south, where he was, uh, he had done the raid against orders. So uh, pretty much his rise in the Confederate hierarchy ended 1863, American Civil War, Battle of Mine Run. Union forces under General George Meade take up positions against troops led by Confederate General Robert E. Lee. The, um, it's also known as Payne's Farm or New Hope Church or the Mine Run Campaign. It was in Orange County, Virginia. An unsuccessful attempt by the Union Army of the Potomac to defeat the Confederate Army. It was marked by false starts and low casualties ended hostilities at least in theater for that year. Um, it was part of the the major campaign known as Gettysburg which uh, had actually been uh, the stopping of Lee's plan to invade the north 1868 the uh, American Indian Wars Battle of the River United States Army Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer led an attack on Cheyenne living on reservation land. Um, history knows him as General Custer, but at the time of his massacre, he was a lieutenant colonel. He'd been a general in the Civil War, and after the war, he was a brevet general, and after the Civil War, um, when the Army was reduced in size, um, all this, the newly created generals reverted to their permanent rank. He was a lieutenant colonel. 1895, the Swedish-Norwegian club in Paris, Alfred Nobel, signs his last will and testament, setting aside his estate to establish the Nobel Prize after he died. Made his money uh, with the development of dynamite, and he was so unhappy about how his uh, creation had been used that he wanted to create the uh, Nobel Prize for peace. 1896, also sprocked Zarathustra by Richard Strauss, his first performed on this date. 1901, U.S. Army War College is established. 
1912, Spain declares a protectorate over the north shore of Morocco. Interestingly enough, a lot of the major powers had areas that they um, took under their wings, so to speak, and created protectorates. They didn't annex them. They just protected them. 1918, the Maknovashina is established. The, um, the Maknovashina was a mass movement to establish anarchist communism in southern eastern Ukraine during the Ukrainian War of Independence in 1917. Named after Nestor Maknov, the commander-in-chief of the Revolutionary Insurgent Army of Ukraine, they wanted to create a system of free Soviets that would manage the transition toward a stateless and classless society. That's always been the goal, of, allegedly, of communism. But if somebody's in charge, I mean, Makhno was the commander-in-chief. That meant he was in a higher class than a private, so to speak. Now, the Makhnovist movement gained ground in the wake of the February Revolution, where it established a number of agricultural communes in Makhno's hometown of Leopoli, after siding with the Bolsheviks during the Ukrainian-Soviet War, they were driven underground by the Austro-German invasion and waged guerrilla warfare against the Central Powers throughout 1918. After the insurgent victory at the Battle of Dervika, this group came to control much of Kavranoslav province and set about constructing anarchist communist institutions. Regional Congress of Peasants, Workers, and Insurgents was convened to organize the region politically and economically, with the Military Revolutionary Council being established as the movement's de facto executive organ. If you got an executive group, they, of course, are a different class than everyone else. So the entire concept was ridiculous. 1924, New York City, the Macy's, uh, first Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade's held. 1940, in Romania, the ruling Iron Guard fascist party assassinates over 60 of arrested King Carol II of Romania's aides and other political dissidents. Um, the Iron Guard was, in effect, Romania's version of the Nazi party. A lot of them served with the German army. Uh, in fact, as I've said previously, the doctor who did my out-processing physical the military, who was an incompetent boob, was a uh, trained in Romania. He was um, captured, served in uh, concentration camps, treating captured German uh, general officers. Now, even though Truman signed an executive order that no member of the Iron Guard could come to this country, uh, unfortunately, the security services got around that by just changing their files. And the uh, the director of medicine for the Army asked this guy what he wanted to be, and he said he wanted to be a doctor. So he waved his hand and made him a doctor. If the director of medicine approves you to practice medicine in the military, you are a military doctor. You can't practice in the real world, but you can in the military. Uh, they just released some new hostages, Hamas did. Uh, an American girl, four years old, whose parents were killed by Hamas, was among the hostages released. Uh, 1940, World War II, at the Battle of Cape Spartavento, the Royal Navy engages the Regia Marina in the Mediterranean Sea. The Regia Marina um, was the Royal Italian Navy, or the Navy of the Kingdom of Italy. 
1946 with the birth of the Italian Republic. But Reggio Marina changed its name to Marina Militare, the military navy. In the uh, 1942 World War II at Toulon, the French Navy scuttles its ships and submarines to keep them out of Nazi hands. Destroyed the entire fleet. 1944 World War II, RAF foiled explosion. An explosion at the Royal Air Force ammunition dump in Staffordshire kills 70 people. 1945, CARE, then known as the Cooperative for American Remittances to Europe, is founded to send care packages of Food relief to Europe, to Europe after World War II. They begin the war. They attack us. Then we feed them. That's the American way. 1954, Alger Hiss is released from prison after serving 44 minutes for perjury. Now, interestingly enough, um, Alger Hiss was an American government official accused in 1948 of having spied for the Soviet Union back in the 30s. And even though the statute of limitations had expired for espionage, he was convicted of perjury in connection with this, this charge in 1950. Before the trial, he was involved in the establishment of the United Nations. He was a U.S. State Department official and then later a U.N. official. And then he worked as a lecturer and an author. He was um, accused of being a former Communist Party member by Whitaker Chambers, who was uh, himself an admitted former U.S. Communist Party member. And Chambers testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee that uh, Hiss had secretly been a communist while in federal service. Now, Hiss denied the charge and sued uh, Chambers for libel. No evidence was ever submitted that Hiss was a um, communist. During the pre-trial discovery process of the libel case, Chambers produced evidence allegedly indicating he and Hiss had been involved in espionage. It was self-serving evidence. It went before a federal grand jury, and they indicted Hiss on two counts of perjury. However, keep in mind, a good prosecutor could indict a ham sandwich in front of a grand jury. Uh, there was a mistrial due to a hung jury. He was tried a second time in January 1950, found guilty, and got two concurrent five-year sentences. He served three and a half years. Now, arguments about the case and the validity of the verdict became center stage in debates about the Cold War, McCarthyism, and the extent of Soviet espionage in the U.S. Since his conviction, statements by involved parties and newly exposed evidence have added to the dispute. In fact, in the 1990s, two former Soviet, uh, senior Soviet military officers who were responsible for the Soviet Union's military intelligence archives stated... Uh, after a thorough search of those archives, there was absolutely no evidence uh, or any documents proving Alger Hiss cooperated with the service somewhere or anywhere, and he never had any relationship with Soviet intelligence. Now, the 1995 Verona Papers, um, which was a United States counterintelligence program initiated during World War II by the Signal Intelligence Service and later absorbed by the National Security Agency, um, said that um, well, well I, just, I was trying to make sense of my uh, 
Now, the um, provided evidence for the theory that Hiss was a Soviet spy, but it wasn't conclusive. Uh, Anthony Summers argued in 2000, since many relevant files continue to be unavailable, the controversy is going to continue to be debated, and Hiss continued to maintain his innocence until he died in 1996. You know, basically, if somebody decides they're going to take you down, the system helps them do it. I've never seen so many attorneys and judges, and I'm dealing with a situation just like that right now, who... Um, believe it's the right thing to do to um, make money off of it. 1965, yet no more. The Pentagon tells President Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson. Um, that it planned operations are to succeed. The number of American troops in Vietnam has to be increased from 120,000 to 400,000. Started out with a few hundred advisors. 1968, Penny Ann Early becomes the first woman to play major professional basketball for the Kentucky Colonels in an ABA game against the Los Angeles Stars. 1971, the Soviet Union space program, Mars 2 Orbiter, released a descent module. It malfunctioned and crashed on Mars, the first man-made object that we know about to reach the surface of Mars. 1973, 25th Amendment. United States Senate voted 92 to 3 to confirm Gerald Ford as Vice President of the United States. December 6th, the House confirms him, 387 to 35. And what was his qualifications to be Vice President? He'd been a good boy and helped the Warren Commission um, determine that Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy. Other than that, he didn't have any other qualifications. Uh, 1975, provisional IRA assassinates uh, Ross McWhorter after a press conference in which McWhorter announced a reward for the capture of those responsible for multiple bombings and shootings across England. 1978, in San Francisco, city mayor George Moscone and openly gay city supervisor Harvey Milk were assassinated by former supervisor Dan White. This was um, one of the early... Uh, Signs that uh, the American public going to be fascinated by uh, people's sexual preferences. 1978, the Kurdistan Workers' Party is founded in the Turkish village of Fis. 1983, Aviac Flight uh, 11, a Boeing 747, crashed near Madrid's Baharas Airport, killed 181. 1984, the Brussels Agreement signed between the governments of the U.K. and Spain, the former agrees to enter into discussions with Spain over Gibraltar, including discussions about sovereignty. 1989, Avianca Flight 203, a Boeing 727, explodes in midair over Colombia, killing all 107 people on board and three people on the ground. Medellin Cartel claimed responsibility for the attack. And I have, as I have said numerous times, if you're hit by a falling plane, you're having a really bad day. Um, 1992, for the second time in a year, military forces try to overthrow President Carlos Andres Perez in Venezuela. 1997, 25 people are killed in the second Suhain massacre in Algeria. 
1999, a center-left Labour Party takes control of the New Zealand government with leader Helen Clark becoming the first elected of female prime minister in New Zealand's history. 2001, a hydrogen atmosphere is discovered on an extrasolar planet named Osiris by the Hubble Space Telescope. First atmosphere detected on an extrasolar planet, that means outside the solar system. 2004, Pope John Paul II returns the relics of St. John Chrysostom to the Eastern Orthodox Church. 2006, the House of Commons of Canada approves a motion introduced by Prime Minister Stephen Harper recognizing the Quebecois as a nation within Canada. Quebecois is the politically correct name for French Canadians. 2008, XL Airways Germany Flight 888T and Airbus A320 performing a flight test crashes near the French commune of Canet in Jerusalem, killing all seven people on board. 2009, the Nevsky Express bombing. Bomb explodes on the Nevsky Express train between Moscow and St. Petersburg. Derailed the train and killed 28 and injured 96. 2015, an active shooter inside a Planned Parenthood facility in Colorado Springs, Colorado, shoots at least four police officers. One officer dies. Two civilians are killed. Six injured. Shooter later surrendered. 2020, Iran's top nuclear scientist motion. Fakhrizda is assassinated near Tehran, or Tehran. 2020, days after the announcement of its discovery, the Utah monolith is removed by a rec- uh, recreationist. That was a monolith found in uh, a canyon in Utah. Nobody knows why it was there, who put it there, what it was supposed to represent. Uh, it was found when they were doing a helicopter search for bighorn sheep. But it was removed surreptitiously. Well, we have been talking about um, the assassination of President Kennedy. And I've got a uh, extensive, shall we say, hit list. A lot of witnesses um, who could have given testimony were killed. The uh, Warren Commission continued to insist that Oswald and Ruby didn't know each other, even though a lot of witnesses said that Oswald used to spend time at Ruby's club. Um, Now, Jack Ruby is the common denominator in dozens of deaths related to the assassination. And many of the witness deaths early on were people who had been in some form of contact with Jack Ruby. Seems the one thing they had in common was they knew Ruby, Oswald, and Ferry. Um, they knew Ruby, Oswald, and Ferry uh, knew him. Dallas cops and sheriffs knew him. Reporters who were killed all knew him. According to one uh, researcher, uh, too many who approached Jack Ruby's role in an inquisitive way. Troops in it through his daughter's care uh, killed Gallen in a November 24, 1963, guests of George uh, Senator at Jack Ruby's apartment, uh, Hunter, Colt, and Howard, uh, all met untimely deaths. And to convey the extent to which these people didn't fully investigate these matters, consider that the official version and interpretation of events is still Jack Ruby didn't have links to organized crime, which is a totally indefensible claim from all standpoints of knowledge, logic, and anything else you might want to throw in. According to historian John Simkin, 
In October 1964, the Warren Commission reported that it found no evidence that either Lee Harvey Oswald or Jack Ruby was part of any conspiracy, domestic or foreign, to assassinate President Kennedy. It also stated there was no significant link between Ruby and organized crime. This information came from friends of Ruby, including uh, Dave Rice, who was a known mafia hitman. Well, that pretty much sums up the credibility of the Warren Commission. Maybe if somebody like Bobby Kennedy had been asking the questions, you might uh, have gotten a different interpretation. It seems to many, myself included, Chief Justice Earl Warren was almost as intent on denying the existence of the Mafia as FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover was. No wonder organized crime has been so effective in this country. And if you look at the people who've been entrusted with fighting organized crime, it's odd you can't even get them to admit that it exists. Well, all you need to know about the latest um, Gary Mack fiasco um, And that was a so-called documentary. Um, that supposedly um, summarized the evidence. Gary Mack was uh, the one that produced it. Almost none of the information is included in the hour-long documentation, or documentary, rather. Nothing about the involvement of Ruby and Oswald in the Cuban conflict through the CIA and the Mafia. Virtually none of the multi-level connections of Ruby to the Dallas Police Department, and none of the witnesses who indicate Oswald and Ruby knew each other. However, it wasn't just one witness. There were numerous witnesses, and most of those wound up dying. If a program's trying to explore whether or not Ruby shot Oswald to conceal the plot to kill Kennedy, then it's fundamentally fundamentally dishonest to not tell the viewers about all these connections. Because clearly, if you look at it all, it suggests the following. Number one, Ruby and Oswald shared connections to the CIA and the Mafia. Two, Ruby and Oswald knew each other through their experience in the Cuban crisis as extended uh, into the U.S., and three, Ruby used his police contacts to actually enter the basement of City Hall and kill Oswald. I mean, if he didn't, then that means security was so lax, anybody could have wandered into the basement and shot Oswald. Now, Ruby specifically requested Earl Warren to take him to D.C. so he could testify. He wanted to go for his own safety so he could testify without fear of his life. Um, and he definitely feared for his life while in Texas. And he made that request directly and personally to uh, former Supreme Court Justice Earl Warren. And Warren denied it. Now, during the six months following the assassination, Ruby repeatedly asked Orly and in writing to speak to members of the Warren Commission. And the commission didn't want to talk to him. 
only after Ruby's sister, Eileen, wrote letters to the commission and her letters became public did the Warren Commission agree to talk to Ruby. In June of 64, Earl Warren, then representative of Gerald R. Ford, later became president as a reward for his participation. I know the commission members went to Dallas to see Ruby. And Ruby told Earl Warren he'd come clean if he was moved from Dallas and allowed to testify in Washington. He specifically told Earl Warren, my life is in danger here. I want to tell the truth, and I can't tell it here. Well, Warren refused to uh, have Ruby moved, and so Ruby, uh, Ruby refused to tell what he knew. Now, for the, for the real story, take a good look at the words of a man who ran in the exact same circles at the exact same time. Name was Frank the Irishman Sharon. He was a mafia hitman, and he was very close to some very big-time mobsters of the era, especially Russell Buffalino and Jimmy Hoffa, as well as many in Chicago. And Sharon said that everybody in the mob knew Ruby screwed up and didn't do his job in Dallas when Oswald got away, and that's why he was told he had to personally take care of Oswald. Jen Connor family said the same thing in a book called Double Cross. Well, Sharon, as he was known, put things bluntly. Jack Ruby's cops were supposed to take care of Oswald, but Ruby bungled it. If he didn't take care of Oswald, what do you think they would have done to him? He had to put Ruby on a meat hook. And for those that are not familiar with uh, that term, the meat hook reference is something the Chicago mob had recently done quite infamously to a loan shark named William Action Jackson. He was suspected of uh, talking to the FBI. It's a vicious torture killing, and when it was supposedly meant to uh, send a message to gangsters across the country of what was waiting for them if they didn't tell the line, if they snitched or double-crossed the big boys. So no, no matter how many other folks may characterize the matter, Jack Ruby was convinced, since the fact that he was being killed before the trial, absolutely certain that he'd been injected with cancer cells, and there was a program, and he had some affiliation with it, to develop the fast-acting cancer for the CIA. And if you look at the deaths of David Ferry and Dr. Mary Sherman, you have additional reasons for uh, Ruby's certainty. Those uh, two individuals who were Ruby associates were deeply involved in criminally off-the-charts cancer research. They were developing a bioweapon, as I've said before, to be used as an assassination device against Fidel Castro. Now, the funny business with Jack Ruby walking right into the middle of a police station, going straight up to Lee Harvey Oswald, who was surrounded by a bevy of armed officers pulling a gun, holding it out in front of him and aiming it right at the center of Oswald's body and firing while not being challenged, stretched even the imagination of observing Dallas police officers. And the interesting testimony of Dallas Police Captain uh, Frank Martin testifying before the Warren Commission about the security situation at the Dallas Police Department on that day uh, is interesting to note. 
Warren Commission said, Captain Martin, is there anything else you'd like to say concerning any aspect of this matter at all? And Captain Martin said, uh, don't take this down. And Warren Commission, if you don't want to say it on the record, you better not say it at all. And he said, there's a lot to be said, but probably be best if I don't say it. Well, clearly, the commission was relieved at this point. They constantly discouraged, ignored, uh, obfuscated real matters of substance um, that should have been on the record. Attorney in Texas, who researched the matter for decades, uh, Don Meredith, uh, highlighted the time sequence of Ruby's demise. December 7, 1966, Ruby's trials ordered move from Dallas to Wichita Falls. December 9th, Ruby's moved from Dallas County Jail to Parkland Hospital, complaining of persistent cough and nausea. January 3rd, 1967, Ruby is dead. Now, allegedly, Ruby shot Oswald, we're told, to keep Jackie from having to come back and go through a criminal trial. Best intentions. At the time he did it, he was in good health. January 3rd, 1967, he's dead of cancer. Well, he was fine up until he was granted a new trial. Somebody didn't want there to be a new trial. Well, he told, and this is something interesting to note, Earl Warren and Jerry, I'm going to be president one day forward that a whole new form of government was about to occur following Kennedy's assassination. And that must have shaken the conspirators to the bone. Imagine what he'd have said in trial. Well, Dr. Kilgallen was allowed an unsupervised interview with him. And as a result, she died as well. Well... Ruby desperately wanted away from the prison in Dallas, and he pleaded with the Warren Commission to have him transferred to Washington. He told her, Warren, you won't see me again. I'll tell you, a whole new form of government's going to take over the country, and I know I won't live to see you another time. As long as he's waiting for that second trial, he became ill and was diagnosed with lung cancer. And that's when he began to maintain he'd been injected with a cancer bioweapon. Died within a month of the diagnosis. Interesting point, he was a non-smoker, had never smoked. Now, the, the story of the cancer bioweapon uh, came up again in the story of Judith Baker. She claimed to have worked on developing such a weapon for the CIA in the early 60s. She also claimed to have been involved with Lee Harvey Oswald, who introduced her to CIA contacts in New Orleans. Well, it's interesting to note that anyone who could have given solid testimony that would allow the solving of this case had some type of, um, well, let's say, accident. Next person on our list is Jack Zangetti. He uh, was a mobster with links to the Chicago mob. Managed a high-end casino in Oklahoma that was popular with high-low rollers and due to its safe and remote nature was used to host high-level national mafia meetings. 
He died of multiple gunshot wounds. Official verdict? Unsolved murder. He's found dead in a swimming pool. Multiple gunshots to the chest. Appeared to have been dead in the water for one to two weeks. In a swimming pool. At a casino. Well, he made one of the uncanny, most uncanny predictions in history. Right before the virtually unknown nightclub operator Jack Ruby killed Oswald, Zangetti specifically told friends November 23, 1963, that a man named Ruby will kill Oswald tomorrow, and in a few days a member of Frank Sinatra's family will be kidnapped and just to take some of the attention away from the assassination. Well, the next day, Ruby did indeed shoot Oswald, and Frank Sinatra's son was kidnapped a few days later. So Zangretti, Zangetti apparently had obvious foreknowledge that uh, he must have picked up through his connections, working backward from the one- to two-week estimate of being dead in the swimming pool. His murder took place shortly after he made those statements to his friends. For the confidence uh, to friends from Zangetti was that uh, three other men, not Oswald, killed the president. Now, he was the manager of a very popular and very high-end casino in Oklahoma called the Red Lobster. It was a well-known hangout for uh, high rollers and often used for high-level mob meetings for wise guys from all over the country. The day after the assassination, he told friends Oswald would be killed by Ruby and Frank Sinatra's son would be kidnapped, just take some of the attention away from the assassination, and he was absolutely correct. And shortly after that, he was murdered. Just like Jack Ruby's nightclub in Dallas, the Carousel Club, Frank Sinatra's casino hotel in Nevada, the Cal Neva Lodge, Zangetti's Swank Casino Hotel in Oklahoma was apparently a front for the mob. They no doubt had hidden interest in the operation, just as they did in the others that I mentioned. That's the way they operate. They don't go to the bank to start a business operation. They go to their benefactors because that's where they know they can get the money. It does come with a price, though. Well, his predictions came true. In fact, he was apparently so confident of his statements, they should probably be termed prior knowledge rather than predictions. And there's no question he was murdered. High probability was his killing was linked to his talking out of turn uh, regarding his knowledge of post-assassination facts. In any event, his predictions did come true, just as Zangetti had uh, termed it. Ruby killed Oswald, and Sinatra kidnapping was headline material and a major distraction that took national attention away from the Ruby Oswald uh, fiasco. Let's talk about um, Melba Christine Marcades. You probably haven't heard of her. She danced under the name of Rose Cheremy. She died of a hit run accident. Official verdict? Had to be an accident. She's part of a heroin smuggling ring in which she was forced to participate. It threatened to harm her child that they were holding until she finished performing as a drug courier for the heroin network. Been substantiated by multiple parties that she actually correctly predicted how, where, and when Kennedy would be assassinated. And although the, she died of a head wound after being run over by a car, she also had a large uh, round wound in her head leading to speculation she may have been shot first and run over to make the death appear accidental. But, faced with very limited information at the scene, or 
perhaps as a result of people with influential means, police ruled the death uh, apparently accidental. Autopsy report disappeared. And according to um, outside researchers, the evidence of the gunshot wound was very clear. But with no uh, autopsy report, it pretty much ended there. Now, like Jack Zangetti, Rose Jeremy was a, another currently established case of a person per, uh, possessing uh, obvious foreknowledge of uh, important events related to the Kennedy assassination. In fact, if you saw the film JFK, her story was selected for the opening sequence. And uh, that began the the overtone, if you will, of conspiracy and intrigue. From a victim's standpoint, it was a sordid story. She was a dope runner associated with Jack Ruby and other mobsters. The mob guys had kidnapped her child as insurance and that she'd complete her work. She was a courier for the dope ring, and she brought the money to pay for a large heroin shipment that was coming into the port of Galveston in uh, late 1963. She was to pick up the money from the man who was holding her child, pay for the drugs, and take the heroin shipment. En route to the transaction, an argument apparently broke out between her and the two men who were transporting her. So they threw her out of the car, and she was run over by another car and then taken to a hospital where police uh, were then eventually called. Her story was told to a Lieutenant Frug of the Louisiana State Police. He verified the story and learned that Rose was a courier for the drug and prostitution ring that was known to be operating in the southeastern U.S. And he was amazed to also find out before throwing out of the car the two men had discussed a conspiracy plan to assassinate President Kennedy in Dallas. This all took place on November 20th, two days before the assassination. Plenty of time for somebody to have notified the Secret Service, but nobody did. As Lieutenant Frug testified to a congressional committee, Rose's itinerary was to pick up some money, pick up her baby, and kill Kennedy. So that was before the assassination of Kennedy, and Lieutenant Frug had dismissed it as the rambling talk of a drug user. Two days later, when Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Frug felt like he'd been hit by a bolt of lightning. After Kennedy was killed, he went to the hospital to question her and turn her over to the authorities. And she also predicted at the hospital that the, assassin, uh, that the assassination was uh, going to happen. Told two men at the hospital, doctors Weiss and Owen, that Ruby was involved in the Kennedy plot. And she also told Weiss and Frug she'd been she'd seen Oswald at Ruby's club. At the hospital, Sherry again predicted uh, the assassination. November 22nd, several nurses watching TV with Sherry According to those witnesses, during the telecast moments before Kennedy was shot, she stated to him, "That's this is when it's going to happen. And at that particular moment, Kennedy was assassinated. Nurses, in turn, told others of Sheremy's prognostications. And although the Dallas motorcade wouldn't broadcast live on the major networks, the nurses were likely referring to the spot reports that circulated through local channels in the vicinity of the trip. Of course, the assassination itself was reported on by network television almost immediately after it happened. And it was, uh, according to a psychiatrist there, Dr. Victor Weiss, uh, Rose told him that she knew both Ruby and Oswald and seen them sitting together on occasion at Ruby's club. In fact, the Frug later confirmed the fact she'd been working as a stripper for Ruby. There's even a Louisiana State Police report dated uh, April 4th, 1967. 
And when she came out of the Kennedy business, um, Frug um, basically discounted it all. Word spread throughout the hospital she had predicted Kennedy's um, murder in advance. Dr. Wayne Owen, who had been interning uh, from LSU at the time, told uh, the Madison Capital Times that he and the other interns were told of the plot in advance of the assassination. Amazingly, she even predicted the role of her former boss, Jack Ruby, because Oswald was quoted as saying that uh, one of the interns was told that uh, one of the men involved uh, in the plot was a man named Jack Rubenstein. Owen also said they shrugged it off at the time, but when they learned that Rubenstein was Ruby, they grew quite concerned. We're all assured something will be done about it by the FBI or somebody, but we never heard anything. In fact, Jeremy's association with Ruby was also revealed to Dr. Weiss. In an interview with him after the assassination, uh, Rose revealed she had worked as a drug courier for Jack Ruby. So how reliable was a witness? Um, was Jeremy as a witness? Apparently extremely. Frug decided to have the drug deal aspect of her story checked out with the state troopers and U.S. Customs. And the officers uh, confirmed the name of the seaman on board the correct ship coming into Galveston. Customs people checked the Rice Hotel and the reservation had been made for her under an assumed name. The contact that had the money in her baby was checked and his name showed that he was an underworld suspected narcotics dealer. Frug checked Jeremy's luggage and found that one box did have baby clothes and shoes inside. Well, Frug told the Dallas Police Department that he had information they'd be uh, extremely interested in. They told him in uncertain terms they were not interested. Frug thought the Warren Commission should be interested, but they weren't interested either. When a Newark District Attorney Jim Garrison mounted an authentic investigation a few years later, he found out about the story, uh, hired Lieutenant Frug as an investigator and sent him to find Rose Jeremy. But unfortunately, she was now dead. She'd been run over by a car on an extremely remote area of Highway 155 at about 2 o'clock in the morning, a mile and a half east of Big Sandy, Texas. She'd been hitchhiking on the road, according to the story. District Attorney Garrison was so suspicious about the circumstances of her death that they attempted to have her body exhumed. Even though he was district attorney and had probable cause to uh, exhume the body, the request was denied by local authorities. So the, F Lieutenant Frug went to Texas and located the investigating officer. But in Frug's written testimony of his interview with the investigating officer, one J.A. Andrews, Frug wrote that although Moore attempted to, to avoid Jeremy, he ran over the top of her skull. As a rather cursory investigation due to reluctance on Jeremy's family to pursue it, Andrews closed the case as uh, an accidental death. Well, it would appear from oddities in the uh, medical records at uh, Gladewater Hospital that uh, there was more to the case than police said. Um, it seems Rose was still alive at the scene. So uh, took her to Big Sandy and asked for the nurse doctor, and the doctor gave her a few shots before the ambulance arrived to take her to Gladewater. Jeremy's death certificate in three different places, she's listed as DOA. But also in this document, uh, it says that a period of eight hours elapsed between the onset of injury and her death. 
Well, the eight-hour time period would coincide with the time of death, which is listed as 11 o'clock in the morning. Square me, on the other hand, is always listed as Big, um, Big Sandy, Texas. It's never taken far enough to state she was found on the easement to the property of either Jerome Ragsdale or Paul Rothamel. Um, she wasn't found on the street. It turns out a key witness turning up dead very near the property of Paul Rothamel, otherwise in the middle of nowhere in a remote Texas highway, is actually very noteworthy indeed. Paul Rothamel is a secretary, security chief for billionaire H.L. Hunt who had been linked to the Kennedy assassination. It was Hunt to whom Lee Harvey Oswald wrote the cryptic note asking for more information before he proceeded with the plan. Rothamel was an ex-FBI agent as Hunt's chief of security. Obviously, should have raised uh, some red flags. The dead body of a crucial witness was found on the easement to his property. That was certainly noteworthy enough to be investigated. And as far as Rose's death, things got even weirder. According to researcher uh, J. Gary Shaw in the book Conspiracy of Silence, the official autopsy of Jeremy has now vanished. But in the records he did find, he discovered in addition to other injuries, she had suffered a deep puncture, uh, punct one more time, punctate stellate wound above her right forehead. Shaw researched the type of injury and found, uh, according to the medical textbooks, it often occurs as a result of a contact gunshot wound. When a gun is fired in contact with flesh, the resultant gases trapped between the layer of skin, the underlying bone, can cause a burning, tearing effect to the surrounding tissue, leaving a star-shaped wound. And punctate stellate means star-shaped puncture. Well, whatever the true facts of Sheremy's passage, she certainly does qualify as one of the Mysterious deaths that surrounded the JFK assassination. Now, further research uncovered evidence of a gunshot wound that was far more blatant than this. Jay Harrison was a member of the Dallas State, uh, the Dallas Police Department, and in the years following the JFK assassination, he became a JFK researcher. Also a member of that special tactical intelligence unit that uh, Tippett was involved in. Somehow, Jay Harrison got the original death certificate, the certified blue copy, and he investigated where it happened. And the address uh, turned out to be Rothmel's. He's talking about Jeremy. And the memory serves... It had been mowed, just as Henry Marshall's body was moved from where he committed suicide. Left in the street, Jeremy was run over, but the bullet wound to the forehead was obvious, and the blood stains were on the property. You know, according to evidentiary indications, she possessed accurate knowledge of the Kennedy assassination. The fact she was found on the property, the chief of security of H.L. Hunt, is noteworthy. And the bullet wound to the head and blood on the property clearly indicate uh, that she was murdered and it was not an accidental death. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. When we come back for tomorrow, we'll be talking about um, a number of other mysterious deaths that have never been properly investigated thanks to uh, interference by law enforcement. So until tomorrow, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.